Hello and welcome to Yukilaf Abroad. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Welcome to our final episode of 2020. We'd like to thank everyone who has helped us this year, especially Sum Sydney, with providing the technical support for our group to start recording. Let's take a look back at what we have accomplished so far, our favourite moments, as well as some funny bloopers from this year. Join us on our first annual wrap-up with Zakrdanyu Ukrainci, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. I can't believe it's our 25th episode. Like, it's we've been recording for almost six months now. It's been a very interesting journey since Andre started this project. Um, Andre, do you want to tell our listeners what made you want to start this project in the first place? I started the project to hopefully gain people in the diaspora to get a better understanding of what was happening in Ukraine because I felt like a lot of people didn't know what the current situation was in Ukraine, what was happening politically, socially, and culturally. And so I wanted to bring this information to people outside of Ukraine or outside of those communities that are heavily focused uh, on Ukraine. And um, I wanted to bring this to like a younger audience so they'd be able to understand how Ukraine's improved and what they're trying to achieve. But although we started wanting to just look at like... Um things in Ukraine, we've kind of expanded and we ended up going into a more broader direction, looking at not just uh, Ukraine itself, but the diaspora around the world in places like, you know, obviously Australia, Canada, uh, America a bit, but we also looked at Ireland at one point. So all uh, kind of like a wider range of stories that we thought um, people would want to hear and we thought we could um, give exposure to. So yeah, we'd like to thank everyone who stuck by us, even in our early days when our Production quality wasn't exactly the best, considering we started online, um, doing everything remotely. Yeah, like I remember our first recording session, trying to do it over like the internet with all our like, <laughs> like our homemade microphone setups it was pretty, pretty interesting. Crummy headphones. Now the best, the internet connection, which drops out, and then you're like, "What did he say again?" Oh. And trying to like guess when someone's gonna stop talking oh, yeah. and jump in. <laughs> do the hand the hand up thing. Yeah. <laughs> What was your favorite moment, guys? Oh, I think oh, my favorite moment out of all of them was listening to actually, sorry, actually doing the interview with Jivchata and listening about um, women achievements that we've talked so far, especially with Hrestia Freeland becoming the prime uh, deputy prime minister for Canada, and it, it's given me a lot of insight into like what challenges they face uh, currently now and how they're trying to overcome it. So. I give all my support to them and wish them all the best, really. So do you want to just give a brief explanation about your project and kind of the aims and goals that you have? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, first of all, thank you for having us and featuring us on your um, show. We're really happy to be here. And basically what Divchata is, is it's obviously dedicated to women, uh, specifically Ukrainian women and girls. Um, And really what we wanted to do uh, is create a platform and a means by which Ukrainian women living in Ukraine um, and the diaspora, whether that's in the United States or Europe or beyond, um, even in Australia or different places, um, could connect and learn from one another. And through that connection and learning, find mutual support, um, mutual empowerment, and really a place where their stories could be shared. Um, So what that's 
practically look like is us starting kind of at the end of last year and um, through this year having platforms on Instagram and Facebook and groups of members in mainly New York City as well as Kiev where we do everything from posts um, to pre-COVID in-person events and meetings um, where we focus on all of the very different women's issues in the U.S. and around the world in Ukraine as well, um, the differences and similarities between what some of those issues are, and really try to learn from each other and feature women's stories. So, Hestia Freeland, she is a politician in Canada who is quite interesting. Alexa and I and all of our co-hosts found out this week. She is the Deputy Prime Minister and the Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs in Canada. And the news outlets there have been calling her the Minister of Everything because she just keeps taking on roles and responsibilities and she's helping with the coronavirus pandemic. She's trying to heal the rift between the provinces. She's doing all this cool, crazy stuff. So, yeah, we just thought we'd give a little bit of a background to this amazing woman. So... In 2014, she was named one of Toronto's 50 most influential people by the Toronto Life magazine. And in 2018, she was recognised as Foreign Policy's Diplomat of the Year. So my favourite part of the show is our interviews and especially the like interesting stories that we get to hear from our guests. And like probably my top three would be Father Simon's take on our young bishop in Australia, Pan Michalov's experience of the Soviet police, and Stefan Bugrin's surprise trip in Ukraine. Is he young for a bishop, would you say? Or is he kind of around uh, the same age? In the general scheme of things, yes, he is. But in Ukraine now, they seem to be appointing lots of baby bishops. I mean, the, the bishop who was <laughs> ordained before him was 38. Okay. Um, bishop Stefan Sus from the uh, from St Peter's uh, Garrison Church in Lviv became a bishop and he was 38 and it, it's not unusual for bishops in Ukraine to be appointed in their late 30s or the early 40s certainly in Australia it's very unusual although not it has happened before there have been bishops appointed in their mid 40s uh, at that time it was really interesting um, I got uh, I got arrested on the third day and, and basically, you don't know the rules in, in a society like that. First time I was arrested for not crossing the road the correct way. You know, basically, they, they dug, dug these underground tunnels to get across this really wide road near where the circus is in Kiev. And I didn't know that, so I crossed ab- above the road, which is where all the traffic <laughs> is. Wasn't major traffic, wasn't many cars in those days. I just walked, Jay walked across. The militia man stopped me. Uh, and, and I'm telling him I'm from Australia. My passport is handed in for registration. And he looks at me and says, he says, that's bullshit. You're, you're, you're a Russian face. I had to be bailed out of that. Uh, I was bailed out because I didn't know the rules. And then just as like a final question, um, since you went to Ukraine by yourself to film War Mothers, like you must have had some like funny or crazy experience being by yourself. Yeah, yeah, especially because um, at the start, uh, when I was in Japarija, I didn't actually want to go to the front line, but uh, someone drove me there and I didn't realise uh, because he was speaking in Russian and I didn't understand that. So there was a, uh, I, I, unfortunately, there was lost in translation that I told him that I wanted to go meet some soldiers. 
He said, yeah, no worries. All right, come with me. And we get in his, um, his old larder, his old larder car. And, uh, you know, he packed up with it, packed up with all kinds of stuff, food and whatnot. And then, uh, we kept driving for hours and eventually I was just like, where, where are we going? And then he, he used the, the phrase, no front you. And then I realized, oh my God. Okay. So he misunderstood and he's actually taking the front line. And it was, and that's that's the case in point. Traveling on my own um, <clears throat> without any kind of network or anything like that. Because the first trip I went there, I didn't even have a fixer. I was just me. Um, and in Zaporizhia, a lot of people speak Russian, so um, that was tough to kind of. And that was, yeah, um, getting around and, and everyone was super nice to me. Like it was so supportive, uh, such a supportive thing. But that one instance where like. I spent a night on the front line when I didn't even want to. Um, that was probably something that only would have happened because I went there on my own. <laughs> now, with everything that's been going on in Ukraine, um, particularly with the conflict that's been happening there, it is sad, but at the same time, there are also areas that you can look at in a light-hearted manner. And one of those, or some of those areas we've highlighted through our Silly Separatist segment, where we've found some hilarious stories about uh, some of the shenanigans i like the some of the shenanigans that have been happening in um these uh, occupied areas of ukraine so we all know the famous companies like cfc don mark uh, mirburger burger house star duck star max all the famous companies from crimea so why do these exist because crimea has been sanctioned by the international community since russia's occupation in 2014 and as a result, no Western food chains exist there. So they've come up with their own classics. Do you mean they don't have McDonald's? No, no McDonald's. No McDonald's, no KFC, no Starbucks, no Apple, no Google Play, no nothing. Yeah, so it's all pretty much closed off for them there. It's like North Korea for themselves, really. <laughs> yeah, so th- what they've done is they've converted all the old stores. So if there was a KFC, it's now a CFC, Crimean Fried Chicken, because that's what Crimea is obviously famous for. Mate, well, well, it is down south when it comes to Korea, though. <laughs> Southern chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all these companies exist in this interesting vacuum of Crimean sanctions. So the so-called Donetsk People's Republic have a very interesting way of um, commemorating their so-called leaders. So this person that they are honouring is uh, Alexander Zaharchenko. So Brianna, can you give us some more information about him? Sure thing. Then he transitioned to become Major General of the DPR. And then he became Prime Minister in 2014, only to be assassinated in his favourite cafe in 2018, which comes after reports that other separatist leaders also met their ends in suspicious circumstances. So after all of this, they have decided that the way they're going to commemorate him is with a bottle of vodka. And now for UQ Life Abroad, behind the scenes. Although we might sound like a professional team, as with every show, we have our mistakes and behind the scenes moment. We'd like to share these moments with you. But before we begin, we'd like to thank everyone that has supported us. Join us next year for more stories about Ukraine and the diaspora. Sit back and enjoy the professional operation that is UQ Life Abroad. I mean, like, I'm speaking like a bloop is real or just me going... <laughs> It's like 10 minutes straight. (laughs)
Many Ukrainians saw this as a turning point in their history and felt that a failure to respond would lead to a Russian-style authoritarianism. Authoritarianism. Uh, Irena, she's now... Victoria Spratz, a Ukrainian-American politician and businesswoman from Chernihiv Oblast, has been elected as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. So how do you say it? Victoria Spartz. <laughs> In the news this week, Victoria Spartz, uh, are you there? Yeah. Victoria Spratz. In the news this week, Victoria Spartz, a Ukrainian-American politician and businesswoman from Chernihiv. Victoria Spartz, a Ukrainian-American politician and businesswoman from Cherny- In the news this week, Victoria Spartz, a Ukrainian-American politician and businesswoman from Cherny- In the news this week, Victoria Spartz, a Ukrainian-American politician and businesswoman from Chernyevska Oblast, has been elected as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from Indiana's 5th District. She ran as a Republican and won her race by a comfortable margin. Testing, one, two... <laughs> How's this, mate? Um, am I good? Pretty good? Yeah, yeah that's good, Triana. Uh, is Andre good enough? Is that a, like, a very um, theological question? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Looking from a diasporic... Is that a word? Dias... <laughs> okay. Looking from a diaspora... <laughs> Looking from a diaspora perspective, it's really interesting. Um, two years ago, Ukraine was looking to di- diversify its um, its what? Ukraine's prosecutors banned to initiate extradition process. No, is that levels wrong there? Ukraine's parliament has announced a new competition to deter. Ukraine's parliament has announced a new competition to determine. Oh, huh. Ukraine's parliament has announced a new competition to determine what the great. Ukraine's parliament has. This week in the news, Dynamo Kiev has won the 2020. In the news this week, Dynamo Kiev has won the 2020 Ukrainian. In the news this week, Dynamo. In response, UK. <laughs> in response, Ukraine banned two Hungarian diplomats from entering the country. So the former separatist leader Alexander Zaharchenko, who was assassinated in 2018, has recently been honoured by um, having his own vodka made um, honouring him. Yeah. Um, so, to wrap this up, you know, without using Christmas paper. No, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. If you'd like to donate to these causes... Let me start again. If you'd like to donate to this cause, you can... Uh, you can go to fathers-care.org Orphans Club... Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> One job. <laughs>